Since 2002, People's State Bank has supported Lawrence County and served their financial needs in four different locations, Bridgeport, Sumner, St. Francisville, and Lawrenceville. Stacy Moore, our fellow Saluki and his staff are so happy to help you. And, and just like they help youth sports and 4-H events, they've sponsored Pack the Place. And well, now they're helping out with this podcast and we truly appreciate their sponsorship. All kind of financial needs, whatever you need, just go see the folks at People State Bank. Again, it's in Bridgeport, Sumner, St. Francisville, and Lawrenceville. For all your financial needs, go see People State Bank. Looking for insurance, we hope that you would call the Andrews Insurance Agency at 542 Main Street in Bridgeport. Terry Andrews and Justin Shear are your independent agents and they're your professionals for all of your farm, commercial, and personal insurance needs. And they've been strong supporters of Red Hill Athletics for decades. So if you're brought down by a pack of dogs, get off your seats and on your feet and see T-Bone or Juice and give them a call at 618-945-2881 at the Andrews Insurance Agency. Welcome to another episode of the Old School Red Hill Podcast. A little different entry music tonight because we are going back to the high school band days. And if you were a kid like me sitting in those bleachers, you listened to the stylings of Robert Clymer every single week as the band played some great songs. And I'll let Chip talk about once we get there here in just a second what we're going to do. We've had some listener participation, which we love. But first, let's introduce the guys that make this all happen. Straight from one of the farming empires of Southern Illinois. Yeah. One of the great wrestling fans that I know, Mr. David King. Hey, guys. How's it going? What's up, Dave? Dave. Give us a crop report. How are we doing? Uh, Waiting for it to dry off so we can plant beans. Okay. Corn's in the ground? Corn's corn's planted and up. Just waiting on the... Few days, few days away from planting beans, though. So. so we are recording this on Wednesday night, May the twelfth. So if for those of you who are keeping track at home, corn is in the ground at King Farms. Next up, old number nine. He was quarterback. He was a pitcher. He was a free safety, and for a short time, in ninety two, ninety three, he was a point guard. Mister Gary Emmons. Hey everybody, how's it going tonight? And the man with the plan. Who is now coaching? Is it T-ball? He's got his coaching. Uh, no, it's it's eight 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 U softball uh, pitching machine league. Nice. He's got his he's got his uniform on. It's been a long time since I saw this man in a uniform. <laughs> Took a one nothing loss tonight. Oh, burner, <laughs> Mister Chip Jamerson. How are you, buddy? Hello, everybody. Good to see. It seems like it's been a while since we. It's just been two weeks, like we normally do. But it seems like it's been a while since I've seen you guys. It does feel like a long time for some reason. Yeah, that Sheer episode was great. Yeah, let's get to the Matt Sheer episode in just a second. Chip, let's talk real quick what we're going to do tonight. We got a little bit of band music. Yeah, we put something out on Facebook asking some band members or fans or basketball players a little bit on the court, uh, anyone, alumni 
just some memories you have of, of favorite songs the Red Hill Band played. And uh, I didn't know if we'd get much response on, but we got a lot of response from mainly former band members. So a lot, of, lot to talk about. Today. A, a few songs that when I just saw the title, I'm like, I don't know about that one. And then when I listened to it, I'm like, okay, yep. Took me right back to Red Hills gym. Yep. That's right. Definitely me too. So that that was uh, going through that list and I'm like, okay, I have no idea, but yeah, you listen to them. You sure as hell do know them. That's for sure. Hey, and uh, you'll hear it throughout the show, but again, thank you so much to our sponsors. Let them know you hear about them right here on the old school podcast. Uh, Gray's restaurant in Bridgeport, Andrews insurance agency, the pizza house owned by Tyler Griffin, and People State Bank. So thanks to those sponsors very much, and thanks to the listeners especially. Um, We are about to go over 9,000 downloads here very quickly. So that's very exciting. And I was just looking at some of the stats on the podcast. We have had 26 downloads from Brazil. Benny. Okay. How many episodes do we have? Well, yeah, I think you're right on. We've got 24 (laughs) downloads somewhere in the United Kingdom. Who could that be? I don't know. All right. If you are the United Kingdom listener, let us know who you are. Uh, We've got 19 downloads from Germany. Um, Natalie Stromar. Definitely nothing. Natalie. We've She's got, a 40s chain student in the 90-91 school year, so... Hey, Natalie! Right, right her wheelhouse. I think we've had a couple... I think we've had some German exchange students since her as well. Yeah, um, I'm pretty sure we have. Yeah, so it could be any of them. There's somebody in the military over there. There well could be. Okay, uh, let's see. What else we got? Uh, five, or did I say? I didn't say this one. 13 in Canada. 13 downloads. Five mm. in Australia. What? That's right. Five downloads in australia i've got five in france we've got four in mexico three three from belgium three from switzerland hey i did i actually the uk listener could be borja rivas he does live in london oh he does and and i did send him the information Okay, there you so, go. But but he never he's never acknowledged that he's listened to it. So <laughs> he's a closet listener. You, if you guys out there, st- if you go on iTunes and you give us a, a review, a five a five star review, what it does it it pushes our podcast up the list where these where random people can just find our podcast easier and that have no connection to Red Hill and still listen. So that could be happening too. Just keep giving us those good reviews yeah. on iTunes. Appreciate that. We've also got three in uh, Chile. Three in Russia, three in South Africa, two in Japan, two in Peru, two in Ireland, India, the Czech Republic, and one each in Colombia, Spain, Italy, Panama, the Philippines, Poland, Sweden, Tunisia, Turkey, and Taiwan. I'm going to guess those are random people that uh, just kind of stumbled, <laughs> yeah. stumbled across. Yeah, I'm, I'm, people are probably doing searches for like old school something else, yeah. and they come yep. across this. Like, yeah, might as well give it a listen. Let's yeah. see what these guys got. See what they got. Yeah. What? And then who is tw- who is Twyla Thorn? <laughs> <laughs> and I know you you were mentioning some sponsors, or you mentioned Griffin's Pizza House. I had some Griff. I, I saw something on the Growing Up Bridgeport page that I thought was interesting. That reminded me of the Emmons boys here. Okay, was it about Bridgeport? It's about Bridgeport. Oh, that's good. Griffin's Pizza House. Um, 
somebody was asking uh, what street you grew up on on the Growing Up Bridgeport Facebook page. Okay. And Tyler Griffin jumped in and said he grew up on Gray Street, and the address he gave. Uh, then Tress Mills' mom came on and said, "Well, that's the house we used to live in." So ah. and that was next door to where you guys used to live. Yep, so that's right. if you would have stayed there, you would have been next door neighbors with our sponsor Tyler Griffin. So that was mm. my little Pizza House trivia for the night. Nice. Fifteen Gray Street, great, great house. I mean, home, home, home run balls go. I mean, when I think of Tress Mills' yard, I mean that's where the home run balls landed. If you're oh, playing yeah. in your backyard, yeah. And when when we would play, because Gary was a lot younger, so I couldn't just I, I hit one over that fence. I had to place it on top of their garage if i didn't hit it on top of their garage it didn't count as a home run <laughs> so um i i had a lot of fun learned a lot of stuff on the matt Shear episode what'd you guys think yeah i coached matt a little bit but he's, he was kind of a quiet guy so i didn't i wouldn't say i knew him well at all but yeah my gosh what a phenomenal athlete student athlete smart obviously doing well made, made running his life now it's his profession so what an awesome guy. I, I had a few guys, a uh, few people from over here in Indiana that, that I had kind of told about people that have kids that run or they, they were into track and different things. And I think we all learned something on this rabbit or pacer. I, I had no, I just had no knowledge of that. So that was really interesting. And then, you know, the, it's just such a, just a different way that we do things that you can be a professional track and field athlete, but really cool. So let's move on to, hey, I tell you what let's do. Let's go ahead and do the mystery voice. Um, didn't have a guest last week. We, we, we trusted that Rodney listened and uh, he did not. So yeah, Rodney, come on. Didn't have a, or a guest from Rodney. So let's go ahead and do the mystery voice. And uh, Chip's going to, after we play it, Chip will draw for this week's chance. And then next week, I can tell you right now, next week, you're going to get a really, really, or next week on the next show, you're going to get a really, really big hint. And then we're going to open it up and probably, I think, you know, we'll, we'll probably just say whoever, whoever messages us first, one of us will mark the time and that's who wins the $25 gift certificate from Gray's restaurant in Bridgeport. So, um, I tell you what, let's do this. Let's take a real quick break. We'll hear from our friends at Gray's Restaurant, and then we'll come back with the mystery voice right after this. As you're listening to this podcast, you know what? It's time to go out to eat. If you're listening to it in the morning, go grab lunch, or if you're listening to it in the afternoon, let's plan dinner for the family, and there's no better place to do that than the legendary Gray's Restaurant in Bridgeport. Check out their daily lunch specials and weekly features on their Facebook page, you know, they've got the best cheeseburgers around and hand-cut steaks, tenderloins, those famous fish dinners, you name it. Come on in to Gray's Restaurant and they will be happy to serve you. They're open for dine-in and carry-out. Just call 945-9501 and let the Gray family cook for your family today. Okay, we ready for the mystery voice? I'm going to play every yeah, all the names in, in, in the bucket here. I did. I Rodney's name is out. I threw it out as long, as well as Bill Rinker's name, but all the other guests, all the other members of the um, Facebook page or their names are in the hat here. Okay, here we go. We're going to play it up uh, through what we've already played. One more clue. And then uh, if you don't get it, the biggie's coming next week here or next show. Here we go. Hello, Red Hills Salukis. S-A-L-U-K-I-S Salukis Salukis. 
Big G, little old ghost, go. Big G, little old ghost, go. Big G, little old ghost, go. I said go, go. I said go. Okay, there we go. That's everything we've got up to this point. So, Chip, take over here and... Okay, let's see who we have here. Okay. I've got the name here. All right. Yvette Hutchings Coombs. Ooh. Uh, she was on that 88 sectional, went to the sectional title game, lost the heartbreaker to Teutopolis. Uh, class of 88, Yvette Hutchings Coombs. Um, so, yeah, you're up. All right, Yvette. Uh, you're on the clock. So when uh, we'll we'll tag you on our on our Facebook post and uh, we'll we'll give you a set time, say I don't know, twenty four hours, to get back with us, and uh, we'll find out if if you are the winner of the Mystery Voice. So remember, listen every single show on the Mystery Voice. We might be calling you. <laughs> Uh, I love going back to Waco. <laughs> All right. So, hey, here we go. Sitting in the gym, eating popcorn, eating Rolos, drinking kick out of those little wax cups. And the RC. sounds. Or RC, yeah. Or RC, that's right. <laughs> and uh, Robert Clymer and his whole game. I think you got to start here, right? Yes. Definitely. Yeah. School song. The Illinois Loyalty. Also, I think, had another title of We Are Loyal at some point, it was called. An, an absolute staple amongst the amongst the Red Hill uh, ball games and everything that, that Mr. Clymer did. Um, it was always great when you stood there, and, and whether you're out on the court or in the stands, either one, to just see that crowd on their feet all clapping in unison. And I'll tell you, I love this song. Um, I, I, I mentioned on the Facebook group, even if I'm at an opposing gym that uses this as their school song, I'm on my feet for it because I don't feel like I can sit down when this song's on. Um, I will tell you, I never learned, I have the lyrics in front of me right now, but I never memorized the lyrics to this song. I was I was always more the instrumental version of it. Did you memorize the Red Hill Loyalty song? My mom okay. always knew the words and always said it. I always kind of just learned them from her. I'm looking little, at the uh, lyrics for the first time in my life, I think. Little known fact about me, I've never attended a school where this song wasn't the uh, school song. Oh, yeah. Uh, I guess that would be true. University of Illinois. <laughs> That's all, true. All over yeah. it, so. I'm curious who wrote so, yeah, the lyrics to this. Well, I can tell you that. Good question. If you, uh, you want to know, lyrics are by Thatcher Howland Guild. Um, That's my next guess. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, let's see. He was uh, in 1904 to 1906 is somewhere where it was written. It was published in 1907. Uh, he came to the University of Illinois from Brown University in September of 04 as an instructor of rhetoric. With him, he brought an unfinished song, which he intended to be used at a college. Guild spent his next year at the university working on his what would become the Illinois Loyalty Song. Also joined the Marching Illini in the cornet section where he met Albert Austin Harding, a student recently promoted to the director of bands. And in the early months of 1906, Guild added the cheering interlude in the second part of the song. Harding arranged Guild's song for the Marching Illini just in time for its anniversary concert 
On March 3rd of 2000, or up 2000, March 3rd, 1906, it was first published in 07 by the University of Illinois Supply Store under the name Illinois Loyalty Song. Since then, the song has been used nearly universally as a song to evoke school spirit and represent the spirit of the University of Illinois. Do we know if the Bridgeport Bulldogs were were they was this their song? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure it was. And how much of the lyrics were? Because of course we have some things that are different. I mean, did they pretty much we take Thatcher's lyrics and just plug in a few of our change some words out or I would Red Hill or pretty pretty well. We're loyal to you, Red Hill High. Uh, yeah, yeah I think so. I always like the part. So you, Illinois. Yeah, it's it's basically the same. There's nothing that says 1906 like so. Crack out that ball. <laughs> well, there's an Oski wow wow in, in there towards yeah. the end. Yeah, and I it, it As, like, so we go cha he cha ha cha ha ha ha. Is that what we do instead of the Oski wow? Okay, we got the Oski no, wow wow down there. It's does down Illinois lower. have the cha he cha ha cha? Dave, does Illinois do the cha he cha ha? Oh yeah, for sure. I, okay. did, Red, did Red Hill do that? Yeah, yeah, like, we're supposed seems to. Like we might, it seems like we might have skipped that, like you know, a lot of times. But I don't I know never, that I've ever. I've never been around people that knew the lyrics. So I never. Okay. <laughs> I knew the very beginning. Now the sec, the second yeah, part, I didn't know. RHS, yeah. Fling out that dear old flag. Lead on your sons and daughters fighting for you like men of old on giants placing resilience, shouting defiance, Oski Wow Wow, amid the broad green fields that nourish our land, for honest labor and learning we stand, and unto thee we pledge our hearts and our hand, dear old Red Hill. Yeah, I mean, I know you guys sounded surprised when I said I've never sat by you by new lyrics. I, I, I your mom sing, might be the only person that knows these lyrics. I could sing the lyrics <laughs> if I was in the moment. <laughs> But I don't know if I could. Have, I don't know if I could repeat those. I, I know the last. Line, that. I know the. Yeah. I know the last. Uh, the first line and the last two. Yeah. I know. Yeah, that's about all I have. I've never heard anybody talk about labor and learning. No, the, I didn't know the Red Hill games. <laughs> I didn't know any of that. Truly, <laughs> just did the last three lines. when the music stopped. The yeah, red. Yeah, white, yeah that's right. Fight on to victory, on to victory, on to victory. And Dave, I don't think. I mean, you you were on campus and went to a lot of Illinois games. I don't think they utilize this song enough. Um, I think they. I can't. You know, I'm just off the top of my head. I can't remember that song they play. Um, there's some other like school spirit song they play. It seems like a lot more than this well, song. Was more. This was more. They played like the full full version at like football games at like halftime. Um, yeah, the band at basketball games that played more of a shortened version, kind of like, kind of like they did at Red Hill. I don't yeah. think, he, I don't think he got the whole, well, and I saw something in this made all multiverses of it. in the early 1930s, the status of the Illinois loyalty as a school song became a point of controversy. Students debated whether fans in the football stand should stand up during performances of hail to the orange. Others argued that students should only stand when the Illinois loyalty is played, which they claimed is the official, uh, official alma mater song these arguments continue with no conclusion until november of 58 when the men's independent association and interfraternity council urged university urged university president david dodds to replace the illinois loyalty with hail to the orange is the official alma mater song it was discovered well, from go. it was discovered from this letter that illinois loyalty was never officially recognized by the university but rather for good old illinois by vernon thompson stevens was recognized in 1916. president henry believed the legislation of the issue could only occur when all interested groups have engaged in widespread discussion and come into an agreement 
Um, but by March, President Henry announced the university would be ma- would would not be making any decisions regarding official school songs. Illinois loyalty and hail to the orange remain in competition with for good old Illinois for the title of the uh, alma mater song. So, okay, this makes sense. So, they, so they played loyalty into hail to the orange, just kind of one. So hail to the orange is, is the song. I'm is, is hail to the orange the song. I'm thinking goes. That's when the chief okay. used to come out. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So there's a hail to the orange faction, and there's the yeah. I'm on this Illinois loyalty faction, which seems to be the minority in this. So that's where I just because the Red Hill ties. I'm sure. I always consider I always consider the Illinois the school song though. Yeah. I always okay. Did. Now hail the hail the orange was like. Not the official school song, but it was like the, it's just like the song he sung at halftime, just sort of like for the cool moment. Yeah. I never, yeah. I never considered it the school song though, but I may be wrong. Well, next up that we mentioned, uh, that got mentioned on the Facebook page. And again, another one that uh, took me back to, to those days, um, watching Kurtz and Carrie and that whole group, Chuck Rousey, Billy Six Gun Hughes, firing him from the corner. Uh, this was a song written, uh, an instrumental composed by David Rose. Recorded in 1958 and released four years later. Um, it's got a jazz influence with uh, prominent trombone slides and evokes the feel of music used to accompany striptease artists. This okay, is. So, this is one. Okay, go ahead. I was going to say, this is the stripper. Yeah, so when I saw this, I was like, strip, stripper? Yeah. I, I don't remember Red Hill ever playing a song called The Stripper. Oh, they did. Listen to it. <laughs> Those, that big trombone slide. Say that again. Uh, Jan Gognett Schultz with that contribution. She was a, you know, bit, bit, graduated in the mid-70s. Yeah. And, um, Longtime music teacher in the Red Hill District. Obviously, Mr. Clymer was a huge influence on her. And my former piano teacher. The tune came to prominence by chance. Rose had recorded Ebb Tide as the A-side of his record, and uh, MGM Records wanted to get it to market quickly, but discovered there was no B-side available. Rose was away at the time, and the need for the B-side had surfaced, and MGM was given the job of going through some of Ross's... uh, or Rose's old tapes, and they uh, found unreleased material, and they liked it, and that's how this song became prominent. So it was almost uh, almost kind of an accident. And as we mentioned on the last episode when we were previewing this, we will have a separate Mr. Climber episode where we get oh, into his point. career and the musicals, the variety shows, the the pep band, the marching band. Uh, this is more just the music. So we, there, the Climber episode will be somewhere down the line. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, let's take a quick break Study before we teacher. move on to the next one, and uh, we will hear from our friends at Griffin's Pizza House. Hey, when you are ready for a pizza, there's no better place to go or call than Griffin's Pizza House, 1008 Judy Avenue in Bridgeport. Of course, you know where they're at, right there across from the dog pound. Give them a call, 945 3663 you can dine in, you can pick it up, you can have them bring it to you. Hey, I've driven those hard routes as a pizza delivery man, and I know how 
how that can help out the folks when they've got the munchies. So give them a call, 945-3663. And, of course, this month, the specialty pizza of the month, as we debuted on the last episode, is the Pizza Burger Pizza. It's available in 10 inches and 14 inches, topped with onions, hamburger, mozzarella cheese, and, of course, mozzarella cheese sticks, and then a drizzle of the sauce right over the top of it. That sounds good. Give them a call, 945-3663, for Griffin's Pizza House. All right, and we are back, and we're going to continue on band music. The next song, I, I know it's been recorded by many artists, definitely one that, a matter of fact, I think, Someone even said, maybe it was you, Gary, when we first talk, started talking about this, that they weren't even sure this was a Red Hill Band song, but it, uh, it most certainly is. Oh, yeah. This is a song that, honestly, it's a great pop, rock, whatever song that's just as good by a band. Yeah, it's outstanding. The... Um I think you're thinking 78 band is what I'm thinking. I'm hearing like Jeff Todd on the trumpet there. Um, yeah. I, I, I mean, Jeff would have been at the, on the court, so yeah, you, so he wouldn't have been a part of the, the games. But uh, Raymond Price in 81 uh, wrestled instead of played basketball, so that was a huge acquisition to the band because <laughs> yeah. he was available on Friday nights when he moved to wrestling and went to state in wrestling, by the way. Uh, Raymond Price on trombone and... Uh, Amy Hupp on the snare drum, Julie Sh- Julie Schubert on clarinet, back in those late seventies, early eighties bands. Well, um, obviously a lot of a lot of trumpet, a lot of brass in this. I got to think that Bobby Bowser had a had a a strong tie to this song. Oh yeah, you, you got to think Brian Cummins is he was on that back row with Bob Bowser. Whatever he played, whether it was trombone, it was some type of brass in the back row. I feel, I feel like, like Brian, Brian Cummins, Cummins was trombone. Yeah, I think he was. And what I would like about Brian Cummins, he'd have the JV uniform on. Just jump right up on the stage. Go up on stage, and I I would love love to see that. Um, I like to see when the athletes, like Jeff Todd and Raymond Price, when they're involved in the band, too. It's uh, um, just at small schools, you want your talented people involved in as much as they can, and those are some good examples of it. So Proud Mary, a song written by John Fogarty and first recorded by his band Credence Clearwater Revival. It was released by Fantasy Records as a single from their second studio album, Bayou Country. Uh, generally considered to have been released in January of 69 um, as a single. Uh, went to number two on the Billboard Hot 100 in the March of 69. And then, of course, the cover version by Ike and Tina Turner released just released just two years later in 71 did well, reaching number four on the Billboard Hot 100 and winning a Grammy. So, Proud Mary. Did someone mention that one, Chip? Did you see... That was also by Jan Gognett Schultz. Okay. Um, she and probably the next one you had because I kind of went in order, so she probably had the next one too. So these first three were all from Jan. I got you. Well, let's uh, and and this was one I, I, I love this. I mean, I literally I love this song by uh, by Chicago back when they when they played uh, more of a a band type, lots of brass. A classic pet band song. What a song Still to this day. Yeah. This was a song that 
I knew knew of, and I di- I didn't know the name of this song forever, and then it's then really didn't know what it meant. Yeah, I definitely heard it more as a pet band song before I knew the Chicago version, actually, because um, you would just hear it. And j- I n- would never know what it was, but I loved it. Now I love the Chicago version, too. I know that I, can, I don't necessarily remember the band playing it, but a grunt, this grunge band back in the 90s, Local H, redid, redid the song, and that's where I really started liking it again. And then I started listening to the Chicago version after that. So uh, it's a great song. Is This this is Peter Cetera, too, but Chicago. It's uh, Yeah. Uh, he'd yeah, be on please. bass, yeah. Um, you know, I, I, as I thought I knew what that meant, now I, now I, what I was getting ready to say doesn't make any sense. So now I was looking here. Uh, because of the unique phrasing of the song's title, 25 or 6 to 4 has been interpreted to mean everything from a quantity of illicit drugs to the name of a famous person in code. So when you hear those saxophones in there, uh, it reminds me of that that saxophone lineup in um, 1990. Very impressive. Yeah, Johnny Putney, Shane Piercy, Eric Andrews, and Shelby Jones uh, created quite a line on the saxophones there. um, And... I'm sure, yeah, I'd, I'd love to get that that quartet back together today. Yeah. I, I was going to ask you guys from your like, classes, when you think of the band, who do you think of? And Shelby Jones on the saxophone was the first person that came to my mind. I think of Gail Paddock on flute, Angie Cooper. I think Angie played the sax. Brent Cubs. Wells on tuba was classic, too. Tana Holtz was oboe, if I remember right. When I, th- when I think of the oboe, I always think of Tana Holtz. That could be. Why. I don't know. Ty. See, Tana probably listens. She can. I she think can of Tana listen. as a as another flautist, but that could. I don't know. I think the oboe's close. I mean, you I, know, uh, the drummers the drummers get all the credit, but the you know the the meat and potatoes of those people on brass. And I can I the night I would tell you the class in 1991 because I'm looking at the roster in '90. What had just an awful showing in the band. I'm looking at this. It's an impressive band, and I think I see two. Out of this whole band, two from the class of 91, which is it's three. Very disappointing. So let's give credit to those. Angie Lido on percussion, Matt Foster on whatever instrument he played. That's the Ridge Red Hill Mount Matt Foster. And then, of course, person I think of, Jennifer Roark on flute. She's a flout. Angie, <laughs> Angie, Angie, Phillips, all, Angie Phillips gives us four. John Putney on sax and Emily Hart's on. I picture her in the band. I don't know what she played, though. I think itself in this picture. I want to say flute. I want to say like flute she, or something. Well, we had a lot of we had a lot of flutes. <laughs> Emily, Emily Hart is back further. She's not sitting up front with the flute, so she's on one of the back row instruments. I mean, could possibly be in the. She's not with the trumpets or the sax. I'm not sure. She wouldn't. I can't tell in this picture. I'm not sure. The clarinets are usually up closer than she is, so I'm not sure what she's playing. I'm sure. She, I mean. My guess is she probably played several instruments. Um, I, very talented. Uh, well, I, I associate with her with the band, though, when I think of my class. Yeah, Lisa, Lisa Hoswinkle. There. I know Lisa Hoswinkle in 87. She nailed down the clarinet section for sure. It seems like every time we have a band um, topic on the Facebook page, people that really get involved in and had a good time playing together were Shane Brown. I think he may have been trumpet. Uh, Brad Wells. And then... Uh, Julie and Jennifer Herring, um, those 
And I, it seems like Brad Wells was kind of a thorn in Mr. Clymer's side, but it was fun loving. I think he drove him nuts. But in the <laughs> end, I think there was a, a mutual respect between the two. But um, yeah, I know Brad Wells definitely respected Mr. Clymer at least. Um, but yeah, Brad, Brad was a great longtime member of the band but I, and, I'm, and, a, and a prankster. So I'm sure he had a lot of fun in there. I got um, some news on Emily Hearts. Oh, talk to us. <laughs> Wait. She was a, trombo- I was a trombonist. Okay. Breaking news on Emily Hart. She was big on 25 or 6 to 4. Oh, yeah. In 1992, Scott Hayes, Emily Hart's Lee Bennett, and Charlie Hill were a trombone quartet in a music competition. So, I mean, Dang. there you go with that. Jeff Clark got first in tuba solo. Who knew, who knew Jeff Clark Goondog was a tubist? Glad we got him back from Alney that year. No kidding. Is that the proper term, a tubist? <laughs> That's what I'm calling him. All right, I'll go with that. David McFarland, too, Dave, in your class. McFarland was a big sax guy. Okay. You know yeah, what? Because right, yeah. he was next in line. I couldn't tell if he had a sax in his hand. So that's why I did not give him credit while I was doing the John Putney group. Yeah. All right, next up, a 1980 hit that uh, I've never been a huge fan of, but a lot of people are. Chip Jamerson. This is my, this is, uh, when I think of Red Hill Band, this is what I think of. Pat Benatar's Hit Me With Your Best Shot. They got this song, they started playing it, I think, during 80-81 season, so they got, they got they, a hold of the they music for this pretty quick. Jumped right and, on that. Um... And then they played it for several years because several people that graduated after the early 80s into the late 80s and early 90s mentioned that this was a song that they enjoyed playing yeah. in the band. Um, Hit Me With Your Best Shot, recorded, of course, by Pat Benatar, written by Eddie Schwartz, the famous Eddie Schwartz. In 1980, it was released as the second second single from her album, Crimes of Passion, and it hit number seven on Cashbox and reached number nine on the Billboard Hot 100, becoming her first top 10 hit in the U.S. Chip Jamerson, Pat Benatar, over or underrated or rated perfectly? Uh, rated perfectly, I would say. I, I wouldn't really go either over or under. I think she's very well-respected still to today. David King. Please. It's about the same. Uh, that song, I, I say I was never a huge fan of that song. Shadows of the Night. Yeah, that's probably, probably, probably right. Yeah, probably, I'd agree with that. My, my favorite song of hers. Love is a battlefield. Yeah. yeah. So, I, so what's of, her... Shadows is good. <laughs> so this only went to number nine. So it wasn't her best chart hit. It was one of her top charts. I think We Belong was probably her top chart hit. What's her signature song? Like, a hundred years from now, when they're talking about Pat Benatar, long after we're all gone, is this the signature song? Is this the one they're playing when they mention Pat, Pat Benatar? I think eh, so. Probably, yeah. I think so. I don't well know what the, actual, what the actual lyrics are, but I mean, hit me. I mean, it, it does have some a sports tone yeah. to it. Yeah. So. Yeah. Gary, over under, or is Pat Benatar rated just about right? I think she's just about right. She has some good songs. The correct answer is overrated. Pat Benatar. No. Yes, she is. No. <laughs> One of the great female rock boys. Uh, that doesn't mean she's not good. Yeah, well, that's a good point. And Nancy Wilson. Are, yeah, are yeah. I mean, I would definitely well, play so. you know, Ann Wilson in that in that class there. Yeah. So, yeah. So, um, 
this would have been the time, and I wish I still had these tapes. I searched and searched. So I had a tape recorder. I think I got when I was in first grade for Christmas. One of those recorders that you like hit the play and record on. You could record tapes and things. And I would tape stuff all the time on it. And one of the best ideas I ever had as a young seven or eight year old was taking that tape recorder to the game and then kind of holding it up. Um, kind of like John Cusack and say anything kind of holding it up <laughs> while Mr. Climber's band was playing and recording all the oh, songs they played great. that night. And then when I go home, I'd play Nerf basketball in my bedroom. So I put that tape on and like warm up, do layup lines and so forth to the, to the music. I wish I had, yeah, that would be perfect for the set. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It was. <laughs> um, but here's, so I'll give a shout out to an 82 grad here. What I always remember from that is, I remember getting home that night from the game. I don't know. It was a Friday night. I don't remember who we played that night. Avon Carmine. I get home that night, practice in my room, listen to this music, and I was imagining I was Steve Potts. So Steve Potts in the class of 82. <laughs> and I know I, I mentioned I'm a huge Chuck and Berkeley fan. I mean, I've talked about that a lot, but that's not who I was emulating in my bedroom. You've never, you've never mentioned your fandom of Steve Potts before. <laughs> Well, I did give him a nickname in my when I would because I would act like I was the Red. So I'd play these games, these imaginary games, in my room by myself, and I was imagining I was, I was all the Red Hill players. But the player, but that night is when I gave Steve. I think it's a nickname only I've given him. Um, he he was just scoring it. He just could, he was on fire, couldn't be stopped. That's when I call him Steve Powerhouse Pops. <laughs> I, love, I, I can love remember that. I love the alliteration with the two P's, the powerhouse pots. I know Gary when we talk when oh, we'll still yeah. find powerhouse sometime today. Well, that's where that started. It was listening to this band I, tape. I didn't know that. I'm sure, you're yeah. probably the only kid in the world that ever did that. Took a recording. To, it was, that's yeah, awesome. I, it's fantastic. And I lost, and I've got some. Of my, I'm sitting in the basement where all my cassettes are right here, and I've looked through this bag a hundred times. I know it's not in here, but. Thanks. Okay, actually, I do have it. Oh, you it's, do? It's been recorded over. Yeah, if you look at this tape here, it says Saluki song. Oh, it absolutely nah. does. I haven't seen a real cassette in a long time. But I've listened to it before, and it's, like, been recorded over. Like, there's not Saluki songs on it. So that's why it's, like, crossed out on there. Yeah. But, um, so. That's I'm, great. I do have the tape. Wow, yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. Mm -hmm. Well, hey. I didn't mean to even be sitting by the tapes tonight. It just happened. Yeah. So uh, let's play a little game here real quick, not to get too sidetracked, but what the hell, it's a podcast. Fast forward if you don't want to listen to this. Okay, we're going to we're gonna play one, we're going to pause one, and we're going to dump one. Kind of like F. Mary Kill, but a clean version. Pat Benatar, Ann Wilson, Joan Jett. David King, who are you playing? Ann Wilson. Who are you pausing? Jett. And so you're so you're dumping the the over the perfectly rated Pat Benatar. That's not fair. Gary, Gary, who are you doing? I'd probably do the same. Well, no, I'd probably pass on Jet. Pause. Hold on, what were the other ones? It was play, pause, and play, and play dump. Wilson for sure. I mean, she's the best by far. So. All right. Little liar by Joan Jag gets it. Tilts her in a favor for me. That's Chip, a great song. Chip, you're the expert. Let's hear it. I, I think I'm the same as Gary. I think I'm playing Wilson, pause, Pat Benatar. Um, what was the third one? <laughs> I don't know. I don't remember. Dump. I think. <laughs> dump. Um, dump. Pitch. Dump That's what it should have been. Yet. You she's pitch just, him. Yeah. She's just my third favorite of the group. And uh, so nothing against Joan Jett. Uh, yeah, I know she's, I know she is a listener. So. 
<laughs> All right, next up, uh, this is a great song from the 80s on a band uh, that, that I'm, I'm honestly not a big fan of. Matter of fact, I think I just texted you guys the other day that I'm not a fan of this whole style, but uh, good band song. Here we go. It's a Stray Cat Strut. It is Stray Cat Strut. I can't remember the name of the band. I'm joking. I think we have. I think I have talked about my my relationship with this song on a podcast. Watching Stacy Zachary and Sherry Casinger walk around the gym, snapping the, their fingers in junior yes. high to this song. This was my. This was the other Chip Jamerson contribution on the list. This is um, one that I don't remember. Um, I. I I don't remember this being a band song. This was on, um, my memory of it is actually, I was in sixth grade and Mr. Clymer brought the band down to play for our uh, fifth and sixth graders. We had like a little assembly on an afternoon and I was so impressed by the performance they did this. So I don't know, I, I don't remember them playing at the games a lot. Uh, they very well could have, but I remember from that event, I remember uh, Bob Bowser on trumpet that day Brad Brad Wells mentioned um, in this thread, guy could rip it on the trumpet. Talking about Bob Bowser. Wow. So, uh, where where I always um, I can't remember the name of it now. I looked it up one time, but he had one of those things that you could stick on the end of your trumpet that did something with oh, the sound. Oh yeah, 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 like yeah. a kind of like a muffled type thing. Yeah, I know what yeah, you're talking. It's, it's called like a mute or something like that. Yeah, it kind of gives so, it more of a. Is it like a more of a bass? I don't know. Yeah. I was going to say high pitch, but I don't know if that's... Okay, it may. I don't know. <laughs> Whatever's needed for this song is what it did. And uh, I'd never seen one before. I thought, oh, that's really cool. And I get he was a, he was ripping it today. I think Brad was a fellow trumpet player. So, I mean, he definitely looked up to Bob as a young fresh as a young freshman sophomore, looked up to uh, Bob Bowser. Um, okay, here to, it I is also, called a mute. That's not what it did. Uh, you tell it kind of has a nasally, almost a buzzy type of sound to it in the same uh, same category. So yeah, yeah, okay, nasally. I guess that would be a good okay. That's a good that, description. That makes sense. Yeah. My other memory of that day is freshman Whitney Kirchie was um, on the on a snare drum that day, and she had like some little uh, drum solos on that, and I was like. Cause that was, I mean, I'd heard the band again, but I've never like focused on a band. So I got, that was an assembly. I was like focused on it and just her little drum solos. I, I thought were so cool. And you know, it's Whitney Kirchie. I mean, as yeah. a young sixth grader, good looking girl, um, they're on the, on the gym floor. <laughs> yeah. And we all enjoy that. <laughs> uh, the stray cats are an American rockabilly band formed in 1979 by guitarist and vocalist, Brian Setzer, double bassist, Lee rocker and drummer. Anybody know the drummer's name? If you do, you should win some prize. Whitney Kirchner. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Slim Jim Phantom. <laughs> Uh, and uh, they had the group had numerous hit singles in the UK, Australia, Canada, US, including Stray Cat Strut, She's Sexy in 17, Look at the Cadillac, I Won't Stand in Your Way, uh, Rock This Town, uh, which the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is listed as one of the songs that shaped rock and roll. I don't know about that. Yeah, um, sure about that. Are we thumbs up or thumbs down on the Stray Cat Rockabilly swing dance sound? Down for me. Thumbs down. Yeah, I'm thumbs Thumbs down. down all around. This song, way thumbs. I love this song, so big thumbs up for this one. I, I liked them. I liked the, the songs when they came out. I don't think they hold up, though. Like, 
you know, other 80s. And I tell you what, Setzer, Setzer played this act for a long time, yeah, that whole he swing. Did, he did. Jump, jive, and wail. Um, what late, year? Late 90s when they had the revival of the, what, the big band. Yeah. Yeah, he was, he was in there. And he was always the leader of it. Um, yeah. So interesting, I don't know, interesting portion of rock and roll that that, that caught on at all. How, how many timeouts in big games was that played? Quick, uh, like you could almost hear the band director now. Go Big Blue, come on, quick, quick, go Big Blue. Yep, that was a contribution from our own Gary Emmons. When he thinks of Red Hill, which, and I, I, didn't, I was like, well, yeah, great call. I mean, that is the ultimate Red Hill band song. Yeah, that's the first one that came to my mind when we started talking about this. That was the first thing, first one that chimed in my brain. A lot of times it'd be like like right before starting lineups, you got t- you got like a minute and a half on the clock, so you'd play that real quick before the before you'd go into national anthem. Yeah, um, I got you. Yeah, I like it. All right, let's keep moving on. Um, I think one that we've talked about before, and we'll probably talk about again. This is Red Hill Band right here. I like that little bit of extra like timpani there. That was a song that always got the crowd going and and I mean it's just a really good song but then when you throw in you know a high school kid playing that drum solo was pretty cool so at least on our podcast my Eric's the most famous probably the most famous drummer in red hill history and they were talking about him on this uh in this thread here he was a 1989 graduate and just on every song got the crack on he had drumsticks with red lights on the end of them he'd twirl them on his fingers and oh get the my. lights spinning around uh, Did- jason acres i think jason graduated in 96 uh, he mentioned he's just a former drummer and he had someone tell me how they loved his drum solo on Wipeout. Her and her husband would drive 45 minutes to the Red Hill Games just for Jason's drum solo. And then I'm sure turn around and head home. But they were coming yeah. to Red Hill. Oh, wow. America, 45 minutes, maybe Albion. But they were coming for the uh, Jason Akers um, solos there. It's what? a fun song. It is a really fun song. Probably to play and to listen to. Uh, it's a uh, surf rock time. instrumental composed by Bob Barry Hill, Pat Connolly, Jim Fuller, and Ron Wilson, composed in the form of a 12-bar blues. The tune was first performed and recorded by the Safaris, who uh, became famous with the single in 1963. Performed by uh, performed by me and Chip and uh, and Brian at the uh, Cubs convention one year as well. <laughs> <laughs> More than one year. Several years. <laughs> Played on numerous uh, steering wheels and, and car dashboards for years. Uh, Wipeout spent four months on the Billboard Hot 100 in the summer of 63, reaching number two. Heidi Harriman mentioned this song. Uh, 
Uh, let's see. Jennifer Herring Lockhart mentioned it. Um, it was, of course, Jason Akers. A lot of people mentioned this as one of their favorite, as band members, one of their favorite songs to play. Of course, then uh, in the a lot of a lot of our listeners will, will remember in the summer of '87, the Fat Boys collaborated with the Beach Boys on a version of Wipeout, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah. which went to number twelve in the U.S. and number two in the United Kingdom. So. Survivor's Eye of the Tiger. This is a good version of it, too. This is a Jennifer Herring contribution song. This is where you're hearing the 1990 band. You're hearing Shane Brown. You're hearing Jennifer Herring, Julie Herring. You're hearing Heidi Harriman. Uh, Ashley Hessler on percussion. Uh, after my Ernica graduated, so they had to keep it going. Of course, the song a of, was a lot of band members in '90. Yeah, song was from uh, one of Gary's all-time favorite movies, the 1982 film Rocky Three. Loved it. Just watched that yesterday. Is that right? First time I've seen it in a long time. Great movie. They <laughs> very good character structure, man. They made they made Mr. T look like an absolute animal in that movie. <laughs> This is also the song that I believe Gene Allen said that the team ran out to after the Illinois loyalty, wasn't it, Chip? Yes, that's Gene right. Allen. This is their this is their runout song. So yeah, it was good to get a contribution from one of the players that remembers being on the court and those songs that were playing. Uh, gained uh, MTV helped and radio airplay helped it top the charts in 1982. It held number one on the Billboard Hot 100. Uh, chart for six consecutive weeks. The band's only song to be on the top of the chart and was number two single of 1982. Behind, anybody know? 1982, number one song of the year. Mm, I love rock and roll. That would not be it, but you're boosting Joan Jett way above Pat Benatar at this point. That would be another, it's by a female. Exercise. Oh, oh, oh yeah, physical. Physical, Olivia Newton-John. Yeah. That's yeah. right. This one, the audio is not quite as good on this one. So I'll skip ahead and see if that helps. Yeah, the audio is not quite as good on this. It was recorded, I think, from a little farther away. But this is Cracklin' Rosie by Neil Diamond. Okay. Yeah, that was a bot. Bobby Parrott contributed that song along with Proud Mary. She contributed both of those. She was a band member in the, I believe, the 70s. So, and she also, 25 or 64, The Stripper, and a few other songs. Uh, Crack on Rosie's song written and recorded by Neil Diamond in 1970 with instrumental backing by L.A. Session musicians The Wrecking Crew. Uh, did hit number one. The song became actually Neil Diamond's only number one hit on the Billboard Hot 100 and his third to sell a million copies. So there you go. Cracklin' Rosie. Another Red Hill classic coming up next here.
This is a good one. I can I can I can see the Red Hill band playing this. Play that funky music, a song written by Robert Parisi and recorded by the band Wild Cherry. The single was the first released by Cleveland-based Sweet City Record label 19 in the in April of 1976. Best part. was the group's only U.S. Top 40 hit, and uh, I don't know, this might shock me just a little bit. The song was listed as at number 93 on Billboard Magazine's all-time top 100 songs in 2018. Really? A little shocking. So the next song that uh, I actually have mentioned on a podcast before that was... Uh, this song got played every single basketball game when I was a kid. And um, I don't know that I ever heard it anywhere else, quite frankly. And, and when you say the title of it, to know what song you're going with here, I had no idea what song it was. So I went on YouTube and listened to our YouTube music or something, listened to it, and um, I knew it right away. It was a Red Hill Band song. It's called Baby Elephant Walk. <laughs> Ultimate Red Hill <laughs> It really pumps up the crowd, doesn't it? We had a lot of people mention this song, band members, and they remember playing this song. It's maybe our most mentioned song, This and Proud Mary. Baby Elephant Walk is a song written in 1961 by Henry Mancini. I think we're all familiar with this next song. As it began, uh, a great teenage movie it was the first song that you heard. Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Red Hill, right here. I think this little slower version and Climber had him kicking it, too. <laughs> Positive Stacy Harper played this song. We got the beat, song by American rock band The Go-Go's, written by the group's lead guitarist and keyboard Charlotte Caffey. Now, I believe. That's right. The band first recorded the song in 1980 for a single for in uh, in uh, the UK, and later recorded it for their debut album, Beauty and the Beat. What a great uh, album that was! Uh, spent three weeks at number two, behind. <laughs> She's hot on this podcast. Joan Jett and the Blackhearts. I love rock and roll. Held this song out of the number one spot. This was contributed by Julie Herring Grismer, as we talked about one of those great class of 90 band members. She also contributed Hit Me With Your Best Shot and, and the couple more that we're here in a moment. I think when you're talking about Stacy Harper, he was uh, an award-winning band student. He played the saxophone when I'm researching some old daily records, was uh, getting some first place at the music uh, contest that they would go to. So Stacy and his uh, sister Julie on clarinet um, both part of that 1982 band that uh, was uh, went to a competition and swept many of the awards. You know, it, it's funny because I, I thought about J.I. Westall that played the played the saxophone and Stacy too, and I can see them with that that 
thing around their neck that clips onto yeah. the saxophone. Like I could, <laughs> like I could see them with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, next up, the Motley Crue classic, "Smoking in the Boys' Room." It's another one with not great audio, but uh, great, great Motley Crue song um, that was played. Of course, it was originally done by Brownsfield Station. Um, I can remember at my, to see, yeah, it would have been my junior prom. Danny Wayne had a contest. The first person, he played uh, Motley Crue's Smoking in the Boys' Room. The first person that could come up with the original artists got one like a cassette or something. And the winner of that, he's been mentioned on this podcast a few times, once for his first day on the job saving a man's life from choking, Mr. Danny Ash. Okay, yeah. I don't think I, I would have got that right today, but I don't think I would have gotten it right when I was a junior or senior in high school. So good well, job to Danny Ash yeah, you're, you're not Danny Ash. I mean, quite frankly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Smoking the Boys Room by Bransville um, Station in 1973, and then, of course, redone um, by Motley Crue in, uh, was it, uh, see, but 85. Yeah, small of 85. So I think that's when the – I don't think Mr. Kleiner played this song like in the 70s. This was re- – they got the sheet music for this after the Motley Crue revival. Um I, Julie Herring Grismer does mention that they did have to stop playing it, so it was short-lived because some adults some adults complained to the school that it endorsed smoking. Oh, so God. if you don't remember that at the games, it was because it was not played for very long. So Meanwhile, all the adults were smoking, smoking in the school. <laughs> smoking, in the, so so. smoking in the concession <laughs> yeah. stand. Yeah, exactly. Next up. He really did. I mean, and, and I remember, you know, the, my time in chorus, like I remember, let's see, it would have been my junior year, I think. We sang Kyrie by Mr. Mister. I mean, he, he would throw in some, you know, some That's popular. That's not an easy song to sing either. No. <laughs> well, let me tell you something. We did it. Uh, come on, feel the noise. There's another remake. Of course, we know the Quiet Riot version. Who sang "Come on, feel the noise" in 1973? Yeah. I knew you were going to ask that. I, I couldn't remember. Slade. And actually, okay. if you if you go back and listen to um, the Slade version, it's really not very different than the than the one that we all know. Uh, "Come on, feel the noise" was uh, one of the first. The first cassettes that I had that I, I remember laying in bed and I would listen to that every single night. Um, Classic album cover. Yeah. All right, next up, let's see what we got. Hey, let's just remember while we're listening to this and enjoying some of these uh, trips down memory lane in Red Hill High School, let our sponsors know that you heard them about them here. Gray's Restaurant, Andrew's Insurance Agency, The Pizza House. Of course, Tyler Griffin making Bridgeport Pizza. Bridgeport style pizza, famous and People's State Bank. Stacy Moore, we appreciate the uh, the support. Next up is, I believe I'm going by memory here. I haven't pulled it up yet. I think this may have been the number one song of the year that it was released. And play the song.
Of course, that's the Bengals walk like an Egyptian. Who sent this one in, Chip? This was a this was the final contribution from Julie Herring Grismer. Reached number one in the U.S. on December 20th, staying at the top 100 for four weeks, carrying over into January of '87. Doesn't say here, but I think that that was the number one song. Was it? Could yeah. that have been the number one it song? '86. Eighty-seven. It was right, the number one song of eighty-seven. Eighty-seven. Yep, okay. Right ahead of Alone by Heart. Okay, I got you. I thought it was, and then I yeah. uh, got a 19, uh, 1990 release uh, in the UK. Good video, popular video. That thing was on all the time. Okay, now this next one was one that, again, I had to look it up because I, I did. I didn't know it from the title, and then once I heard it, I recognized it. The theme from Patton. Well, that was one that would not have been on my radar, but I, I do remember hearing it. Yeah, some of our 70s, ma'am. Uh, Deborah Allen um, remembers playing this at a, they use it at a, at a marching competition, this song, um, during EIU's homecoming parade. Um, I was going to say, this this feels like more of a parade song. <laughs> yeah, so I'm sure they I'm sure they played it as a bridge for the Red Hill homecoming parade uh, as well. i Jan Gognett Schultz definitely remembers playing the. She remembers the formation they would use uh, on the football field. They would do like a wheel, a wagon wheel formation during this song. She remembered. Wow. Uh, which I think a wagon wheel goes good with this picture. A wagon wheel marching band. I mean, it goes perfect with the music. Absolutely. So Patton, the movie was made for $12.6 million and uh, earned $45 million at the box office. So I would say they did something, right? I don't know that I've ever seen Patton. I have not. Next up, song we all know, R-O-C-K in the USA, subtitled A Salute to 60s Rock by John Mellencamp. Big time Red Hill song. Yeah, that contribution was from uh, Jenny McAdow says she remembers uh, being in uh, Palm Squad dance team and um, uh, dancing to that song. January of 1986 uh, was recorded in uh, on April 25th, 1985 at the at the Belmont Mall in Belmont, Indiana. Oh, interesting. Well, that's going to do it for the songs that we had sent in, but definitely a uh, a trip down memory lane on those songs, and and we'll have uh, we'll have a, a Robert Clymer, like Chip said earlier, definitely a dedicated show just to Robert Clymer. But it was fun to go back and listen to some of those songs. And I will say, Shane Brown mentioned that we've mentioned him before being a member of the '90 Man. I think he was trumpet. I'm not positive on that, but I think he was on that line with Julie and Jennifer and Brad Wells. And he mentioned uh, master band director, Mr. Robert Clymer, made sure we knew how to play those. He was an awesome drill sergeant that we loved, even when we accidentally or intentionally see Brad Wells cause him to lose his cool. <laughs> uh, Brad said, had a lot of songs I enjoyed playing on trumpet back when we were on the stage for basketball games. Fun times. We met some of our pioneers in women's basketball. 
mentioned that they, they both mentioned they enjoyed playing Proud Mary. Uh, uh, Phyllis Kimmel and Susan Wright both mentioned how their memories from band and Proud Mary was a song that uh, they that was most memorable for them. See, I, I feel like the band played at least my senior year up in the crowd. Like they were, and maybe I'm completely off on that. I mean, they definitely in the, those earlier years were on the stage. I know that because the curtain would open and, but yeah, uh, it feels like I think, and the band I think started dwindling towards my senior year. And I don't know how, I don't, I don't think it's very big anymore either. Some of those um, bands in, in the late seventies and eighties, I mean, I can remember that stage being full. Well, I saw one thing yeah. I said oh, it yeah. was like 88 band members at one point. I can't remember which what wow. year it would have been, but you know, you think of a school probably had more than it had, you know, with 300 and some odd kids. I was going to say that's but, a whole class. Yeah. You know, yeah. And it, it's just, I mean, a lot of bands have dwindled, but there's some schools where band is thriving and look like Red Hills band did in 1979. And it's really, I mean, it just, it's building that program and getting that excitement at a young age. And it's not easy to do. I mean, look at coaches, um, that are let go after a few years here and they're a revolving door. But when you got the, when you got stability in the program, you got someone at the top and it's filters down all the way through the younger levels, you have success. And that's what we had with Mr. Clymer and, and, and Mr. Ingram when he took over. And um, I don't even know who the band instructors are now. So nothing against them. It's just, you know, it's hard to be Mr. Clymer and build something like that. How long, right. how long would he have been there? Oh, uh, wow. 30 I mean, plus 30 plus, oh, 30 plus. Yeah, I, I think yeah. he went way past the, I think he went over the 33 years or I think he went, he could have retired even earlier. I think he stayed around between 30 and 40 years. Yeah. He, I, mean, I saw that they, they named the band building after him before he was even retired yet, you know, and, yeah. uh, 33 years, it says here. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So he, he stayed the, that's a pretty much the minimum then. And yeah. then this may not even been. You know, this could have been a situation where he wasn't even gone yet. That was just like in his 33. Oh, okay, so he'd been been there 33 years. So yeah. he was nearing the end, though, at that time, maybe. Yeah, um, this is the, the, the article where they said they're going to be renaming the uh, building after him. He'd been there 33. I'm not sure what year he retired. This was from 1990. Okay. I think he was around maybe two. I know he's there, there my senior year, so at least one more, and then maybe another one. So maybe 35 years he put in. Yeah, probably so. And then they named, they did name the band building after him, so that still stands today. Well, when we do the Climber episode, we'll definitely um, we'll call on some, some listener participation, maybe some more from not only the band, but definitely the chorus, because, I mean, his his chorus um, was, was renowned around the state yeah. of Illinois. Exactly. Well, what we got? Anything I, else, guys, before we go? Yeah, I don't give it enough credit. I need to start calling it the Climber, the Robert Climber Band Building more. I mean, I'm sure at the time I knew they named it for him, but I've never thought, or we need a big sign, you know, give us some signage out on there with, you know, the words Climber, because I don't think, I think people still call it the band the building. building or the yeah. band building. Yeah. <laughs> so it's the Climber Building. Well, again, no, I, thank you to our sponsors, Gray's Restaurant, People State Bank. Tyler Griffin's Pizza House, and of course, Andrews Insurance Agency. We appreciate your your support for our little venture here. It's been a fun trip down memory lane on the band. We talked about talked about lots of things. We talked about uh, Chip. We talked about baby elephants. Yeah, we we mentioned um, the EIU homecoming parade. 
We did. We talked about Terry McAdow's beard. Again. Jay Myrdick. Pa- oh, yeah. Steve Powerhouse Potts. Of course. Whitney Kirchie. Oh, yeah. That drum <laughs> solo at the 5 6 Center. Mm-hmm. We talked about Stacy Zachary. The University of Kentucky uh, pet band. Joan Jett made a few appearances. Bob Bowser ripping on the trumpet as well as his mute. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Brian Cummins in his JV Trump uniform. Bone in his JV uniform, yeah. <laughs> Rolos. Got some love. Say that one again, Gary. Emily Hartz, she got some love today. That's right. People traveling 45 minutes to listen to Jason Akers play. Lit drumsticks. It's awesome. And when we say lit, we mean like actual lights, not like Literally. when you say lit yeah. now. Proud Mary. John Fogarty. Mm-hmm. Brian listening to the um, Quiet Riot album. Chip finding the recorded tape that's been yeah, taped I over. Can't believe it. That's, that's weird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. My mom knowing the lyrics to the school song. I don't know if I buy that. We'll have to test her next time. <laughs> we should have called her. Yeah. The controversial what is the school song at the University of Illinois? Yeah. I'm really glad it's a because con- it's been a controversy in my mind. I didn't know I was the only yeah, no, I know other people had this controversy. You didn't know you were out front. <laughs> It just always kind of meshed into one big song for me. But All right, that's going to do it for David King. Get those beans in the ground, Dave. Gary Emmons, Chip Jamerson, I am Brian Emmons, and we are Red Hill. Red Hill.